You're listening to the Picard. This is a podcast all about Star Trek Picard, the amazing new show that is airing on CBS All Access. And uh, here we are today broadcasting live and direct to you from our headquarters in Austin, Texas. I'm Dan Benjamin and seated to my left is uh, Hattie Cook. Hi, Hattie. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great. It's good to have you here on the yes. program and seated and directly left. across from me <laughs> and to Hattie's left would be Keith Ruckus. Keith, thanks for joining us today on the show. I sound so much better this week. You do. You're yes, here you in do. person. <laughs> I am. We, we, you Wh- know, we why'd did you wonder- put on an NPR voice? That was weird. <laughs> That's just how I speak when I'm not on the air. All things considered. All things considered. Let's begin the show with some listener feedback. Listener Dave writes, love the podcast, caught up this weekend. Two things I think might be interesting. A, Jolan True was from the Next Generation episode Unification, where Spock was trying to bring together Vulcan and Romulus. It was a somewhat subversive greeting. The Praetor adopted it to make peace with Spock before shenanigans ensued. And then that was a now two. Did you notice Picard's jacket in episode three and maybe four? It was black, but had the TNG styling uh, line across the front where the top was leathery and the bottom was a different texture. Reminded me of old military guys wearing civilian friendly but military inspired clothes like a World War II vet in a bomber jacket. Definitely. Anyway, I love the recaps, Hattie's commentary and Dan's everything. Dave. No, he did type. He did say, anyway, live the recaps instead of love. But I think that's yeah, what I think he, he means. So love. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. Uh, th- this is an email that was actually a tweet sent to me as a direct message from a listener who did not want to uh, follow instructions and send email. <laughs> <laughs> a rebel. Uh, so this person's name is Jen. Uh, Kapla and greetings to you, Hattie <laughs> and Keith from my home world, Missouri. I love the podcast, The Picard. I just wanted to mention something that I'm thinking regarding the show, and that is the heavy Borg parts harvesting theme of the show alongside the creation of flawed androids. I'm wondering if the flawed androids slash synthetics are related to the integration of Borg technologies that have such a high aftermarket value, specifically to Bajazel during the time she was working with Maddox. When Maddox Maddox tells Jurati about the twins, he calls them imperfect, which reminded me of Star Trek Voyager episode Imperfect perfection when mm-hmm. now i didn't watch this so i c h e p how do i say that person each up uh gives his cortical node to seven which you talked about keith last week yep and was on the uh, last week's episode so i guess i'm wondering if the new androids are actually made like data but with a cortical node from borg to overcome the obstacle maddox struggled with when creating another data like android another chocolate chip cookie with fake ingredients mm. peace and long life jen that's like very that. interesting Jen. Okay. Good job, Jen. Um, Aristolian mom writes, <laughs> Hey there, I'm really enjoying the show. Thank you for putting it on. Quick thought after your episode five podcast. One possibility that Keith didn't mention regarding Girati is that the terrible secret, the sun, that sunglasses wearing Starfleet fake Vulcan, <laughs> who they abbreviate as SWSF, showed her is actually real. Also, it will be interesting to see how medical privacy laws will have evolved over the next 400 years. It may be that Girati's medical, physiological AI interactions are encrypted and won't be immediately available to the rest of the crew. Who Damn. knows? Wait, so she's saying Girati is, is an android? No, uh, she's, she's saying, saying that one, the emergency medical hologram can't talk about her problems oh, because of doctor-patient confidentiality. Right. And that maybe the uh, the Romulan-wearing sunglasses, yeah, evil lady, oh. Commodore O, maybe she's right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. I don't believe that's true, but I love that idea. That's really interesting. Anyway, thanks for the show. Keep up the good work. Aristolian mom. Although every time I've thought something was right, it's been Right, wrong. so we don't know. Uh, Okay, got another one here. Hello, the crew of the Picard. Ooh, we're the crew. First, thanks to Dan for bringing back the podcast method. The show (laughs) (laughs) helped helped get the gear and confidence to host and edit a fantasy football podcast of my own on a popular independent fantasy football site. 
As for Picard, do you get vibes of the McKee from the Fenris Rangers? Like the McKee, they feel betrayed by the Federation for being ditched in a different neutral zone and are taking matters into their own hands. I like that. I like yeah, that too. Yeah, that's interesting. DS9 is and remains the best form of Trek. Sorry, mm. this is not nope. for debate. <laughs> this, this is not for debate, not to get you overly sidetracked, but it's great to see how the darker tones that made so many people overly critical of DS9 have become the norm for current Trek. It was truly ahead of its time. Finally, you watch the Ready Room After Show with Will Wheaton on CBS All Access. It has a clip from the next week's show, a segment with producers talking about the most recent episode and an interview with a cast member. It is enjoyable and has some good tidbits to offer. Yeah. I'm afraid if I watch it, I'll just repeat everything Yeah, here. I want it to be kind of fresh. I am with you 100%. Mm-hmm. I don't listen to any other Picard podcasts. I don't watch any because I want to come in here and it's fresh all- Fresh eyes, yeah. clear hearts. I, I yeah. do watch the next week on. Right. But I can't seem that, to find that on my CBS app. It, it just happens. After I let the, mine play and then it just started playing like the detective or something. Oh, and I was like, sucks. oh, yeah. Okay, so that's all the feedback that I'm going to do uh, this week. You know what we could do is we could, if you wanted to, we could watch the Will Wheaton thing. After? Like, we would watch it for last week's episode. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Right. And then we could talk about what they said this week. I'd be down about last week. Just, I'm like, pretty sure it's idea. pronounced Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Well, I, I wanted to say way? if, if uh, we would we would love to hear from you. And the, I mean, not Will. you, Keith. I mean, the, Will, Will <laughs> Wheaton you. or the listeners, the listeners. We'd like to hear from Will Wheaton. I would love to talk to Will Wheaton. The uh, the listeners, if they would like, they can go to picard.fireside.fm. There's a contact form they can use to send it in. Or if that sounds like too much trouble, just send an email to picard at 5x5.tv. Uh, I will get the emails. I'll curate them. And then I will Jean-Luc will get the them. emails. Yeah, we're, I'm yeah. forwarding them to Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> Each email that right. comes in. We forward to him. Yes. This episode is brought to you by the podcast method. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> you did not like that joke. I could tell. Uh, so <laughs> you want to hear the, 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 yes. iTunes, the, the iTunes reviews? No, we have some more reviews. If you would like to help spread the word about this show, the best way to do it is to go to iTunes and f- not just rate. I mean, yes, rate the show. Rate the this show. is, a, I'll tell you what. This is a five-star podcast, Hattie. Uh, yeah. Well, but, obviously. But if you want to leave a review... You can do that there and, and Keith will read them on the show. I sure will. Not all of them. Some of them are like two words. But here's here, here's here's three from this past week. Uh, this is from SciStream. My favorite Picard podcast. Five stars. Yes. I've tried a lot of Star Trek podcasts and this is by far my favorite. So not even just his favorite Picard podcast, his favorite Star Trek Star podcast. Trek. Oh, wow. That is a big deal. Yes, that is. is a big deal because there's a lot of them. Yeah. The hosts have such great energy and love for the show that I seriously break out in a grin when I see that there are new po- that a new podcast is in. I'm a lifelong Star Trek geek, and I think the hosts do bring a great mix of knowledge and a fresh insights to the fun journey and unraveling mysteries in Picard. Love the series. Love this podcast. Give it a listen. You won't be disappointed. Nice. Aww, that was thank wonderful. You. Thank you, Sidestream. We is need f- to have swag that we send to these people to thank them. We should. You're I, the swag guy. You've given I am a us. swag guy. You He's have made pro. more 5 by 5 merch in For the time us. that you've done doing at the movies than I have done in the 14 years of, of doing running this. it. Yeah. I do like merch. Do you know how much I gave out at Fantastic Fest? A lot. Like 400 pieces of merch. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm going to get some Picard merch and then we'll give it. I'm sure CBS will be cool with that. Who cares? Yeah, just put it. They won't know. No. Sure. This is from Cedars. Another five star. A dream that became a reality is the title of this. (laughs) Wow. And spread throughout the stars. Insightful, serious, but funny podcast that discusses the intricate beauty of Star Trek Picard. Each host adds their own assessment and well-developed theories. I love the Easter eggs they illuminate, including tiny but wonderful details that add another dimension to love about the show. Wonderful. Can't get better than that. Last one. This is Eccles Sexels. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it says it's Star Trek Picard, the morning show. I can't read the entire thing. He has a really long comment. Oh, title. Yeah. All right. Five stars. Really enjoy this podcast. I listen to several Star Trek Picard podcasts and find that many of them can be excessively nitpicky, snarky, or sour at times about the show or aspects of the show. This podcast discusses the show in a light way with depth and detail and with the kind of joy and excitement that I feel for the series myself. The hosts are pleasant, positive, friendly, and entertaining. They're genuinely excited to talk about Star Trek Picard and have entertaining theories. Because they keep it clean, I can listen in the car with my kids. The audio is bright and well-produced, well-executed all around, and highly recommended. 
Nice. Thank you, Exos. I do want to thank you. I do want to point out someone reached out to me and said that at 48 minutes in the last podcast, yeah, I cursed. And I didn't catch it? Nobody catched oh, nobody no. caught it. Catched it. Catched caught it. it. <laughs> nobody catched it. <laughs> and who told you that? My roommate. Oh. We need to like run everything listener. through him. Yeah. Have him listen we to need it to first. Right, maybe then... he can edit it too. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Well, he's a professional editor. See? That works out great. All right, done. All right, you guys ready to jump into this? Yes. Yes. This so, now I just want to say before sure, we start uh, uh, going through the recap, that for me, this episode felt like a return yeah. to what I would say after only a few episodes feels like normal Picard to me. Yes. Last right. episode felt like. It felt a little outside of yeah, the regular. Yeah. It still was sure. great, but it just felt. It felt different. Right. Uh, it didn't feel better or worse. It was just different. It had a different feel. And, no real and, and, seriousness to it, you know. Yeah. I mean, well, or you had some seven things. killing everybody. That's but true. Other well, than I think that, that's just fun and cool. It was fun and cool. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and uh, and this one felt like a return to what what we had been getting up up until that point. Do you agree with that, Keith? Uh, yeah. Well, okay. I think last week was just more of a seven centric episode. Okay. It's called. It's not called Star Trek Seven and Nine. That's a series I'd love to watch. <laughs> it's called Star Trek Picard. Okay. All right. I had an epiphany this morning when I was thinking about this show again, and that's that. Maybe it's been obvious by the fact that I point this out every episode, but. I don't care as much about the story as I do about Jean-Luc. Just him in general. Right. Right. Like the my favorite parts of the episodes are always when he is reacting to something, when he is saying something. That's not to say that the plot is not amazing. Mm-hmm. The story writing isn't great. It's just no matter how great the show is, I'm always going to care a little bit more about Jean-Luc Picard than I'm right. ever going to care mm-hmm. about a Star Trek show. Oh, by the way, we're all drinking Earl Grey tea. Oh, yes, we sure we did are. It. We, we did forgot it this to time. do it, but we have it this time. So this everyone, is the first cheers. time in three weeks. Let's I say know. cheers. And, yeah, and cheers. if you're having it at home, uh, sip Clink. with us now. Ah, so good. That is so good. Earl, so gray. All right, continue, Keith. Sorry. That was it. That was my realization. And then especially in this episode, uh, I'm not sure if this was a great episode or the greatest episode yet, but, uh, but it's up there. <laughs> it's it was up great. There yeah, it was great because of just him. And I'm trans every like, I was pausing and going back after everything that happened just to watch Patrick Stewart and to see what would John Picard do to this? Such <clears> a good, <throat> such a good actor. So good. Yeah. Now we're opening up. Not necessarily in real time, but it's definitely not a weird flashback. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, they're not getting episodic, and I like that. We're opening up with a little girl in a in a house, and she's walking towards a door. She's obviously a little timid. She opens. It is a lab of some sort. I have There's to orchids everywhere. I drank that Earl Grey so weird, and now it's coming up in <laughs> awful ways. <clears throat> I shouldn't have slurped that much. Uh, it is some sort of lab with orchids. Yes. The flowers are back. I'm going to tell you something. That if, you, if you were not pointing out the flowers for yeah. each episode, you I would have. never have picked up yeah. on it. Well, I, I think Dan called that. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it. I like that they're finally acknowledging it. Right. Finally, they're talking about the orchids. Yeah. And it's like, thank you. Uh, she is going towards someone, uh, uh, which I believe at this point, as I'm watching as a father figure, we find that that to be true later. Mm-hmm. Her name is Soji. The name is yelled because mm-hmm. this is obviously Soji as a child because she's wearing the necklace. And then she wakes up from this nightmare, which didn't really seem like a nightmare to no. me, but something about this dream disturbs her. And she wakes up and she's in bed with Narek, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh and the, my first thought on this was this is so reminiscent of Data's dreams that we saw all through Next Generation. Yes. He is always having bizarre dreams about his father. Right. <laughs> right. So I thought that uh, was good. Uh, I have a big note that says uh, we are back in rom-com mode. Yes. Romulan-com. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they are, they are, they are snarky. They are... Um, Secretive. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still like, you know, he pulls the sheet over top of them and it's mm-hmm. almost like a commercial for like, you know, like a, a tween movie. Right. So there's a little bit of Star Trek and a little bit of romantic comedy in here, Romulan comedy, uh, as they're in bed. And they're both kind of picking at each other the fact that they both have secrets. Soji mentions that Romulans have two names, one for their family and one for right. outsiders. Uh, Narek wants to know so much more about the dream. He specifically wants to know. Is this a construct you've made in your mind or is it a memory? Right. And mm-hmm. she's not sure. Right. Back on the La Serena. Am I saying that right? Yes. Thank you. Gerardi is lying about Maddox's death. It's her and Picard. And then Eleanor walks in and she basically said in Picard, you know, he was roughed up too much. Like there was nothing we could do for mm-hmm. him. He's mm-hmm. gone. 
Uh, no one seemed to yeah. question it. No, they're like, oh, so well, McCoy, yeah. she's so it's trusting. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. And she's a doctor. And she's a doctor. Right. But also, I feel like she had been so emotional about so much other stuff. You said this to me earlier. To yeah. Hmm. And then when she was telling them, you know, she's kind of like hollow and numb. So. Well, the other comment you made is that um, if they were, you know, we don't we don't know how long ago they had a relationship and we don't know the level to which the relationship happened. Clearly, it was romantic. But your comment, Hattie, and uh, I'm tell me if I'm uh, misquoting you, but you said something like if they'd been in any kind of relationship like that, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you just have a reaction or like even if someone you knew that you had to kill, like that would still affect like you. Like have to kill I don't, someone. Right. Like you have to now kill them. Like Dan, if you had to kill me, how would that affect right, you? It would deeply. Right. And, and the thing, and the thing <laughs> is like the way that, um, the way that she was, she didn't do it nonchalantly, but she's dealing really well with it. And, yeah. As we see like, later in the episode, I've, I've yeah. had a, a friend pass mm. away and I hadn't seen him in a long time and we hadn't been close for a long time, but like it affected me. And like, this is someone that she worked with and had a relationship with and Baked now is cookies with, right. I don't know. I think we get the answer to that later in the episode. I think so yeah. too. So, uh, now, uh, Eleanor comes in and they're talking about the fact that they have to go to the artifact. And Gerardi starts talking about the history a little bit of Picard with the Borg and his assimilation right. as Locutus. And again, in this nonchalant way, just, and I think she is now becoming very disconnected from her own humanity because yeah. the way she says this is like she's repeating things from a textbook. Right. She goes, you were Borg, you were assimilated, you had nanothink, you had synthetic parts grafted on you. Sorry, as a cyberneticist, I had to learn all about this. She starts to become more monotone as she's doing this. Mm -hmm. I think she is looking for distractions And in she's her like life. staring straight ahead instead yeah. of turning and talking to me 100%. either. So. Uh, as they're talking about going to the artifacts, she says these Bork have been disconnected. Maybe Bork have changed or these Bork have changed. And then we see an amazing scene where he blows mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. and She's this hit is, a nerve. <laughs> I saw an article that says this kind of makes more sense in like when you see first contact. Like when, when like they made him kind of a different character in Star Trek first contact. Mm -hmm. He like loses his composure. Right. He's, the line must be drawn here. Right. You know, um, <laughs> you know, he's smashing stuff. He like, you can see how this deeply affected him yeah. even more. I also want to point out that the aromatic syndrome is supposed to make it so that he has less control of his emotions. Oh, that's part of his right. little issue. Okay. So I'm off on a tangent here, but later I think we see Captain Picard really afraid for the first time. Right. I don't think we've ever seen him. We've seen him kind of skitterish or like mm -hmm. apprehensive. There, and, mm -hmm. There's an episode of TNG where he's de-evolving into a primate. So he like starts to be like worried and concerned and scared. But this is like absolute fear. But we'll get back into that in a second. Okay. He is a blowout. He really hates the Borg. He refers to them kind of in a roundabout way as a cancer by saying they don't grow. They metastasize. They metastasize. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, did that hit you or what? Uh, he so he gets up. He's like, "Excuse me, I gotta leave." He knows he's upset. He walks out in the other room. Eleanor points out to Gerardi that she is also haunted by something that she would like to forget. Uh, so he's either really good at meeting, reading people, yeah. or he's got some latent like ancestral Vulcan mm -hmm. Romulan telepathic right, feeling, right? Because we know Vulcans have telepathic stuff going on, right? And and it would stand to reason that. There might be some of that in Romulan, and Romulan I think we culture. touch on that this episode yeah. too. Yeah, we do. Uh, not to say that he's an empath and can feel things, but maybe he's just more attuned to people, or, or right. maybe you know. And uh, but your other comment that maybe it's part of his training, or maybe it's part of being sure. having because the absolute candor, yes, right, and, or or just being because he can sense when someone's withholding something. And that they want to talk uh, about but don't want to, you know, right, because right, they're right, not being right. totally honest. Dang. That's what I think it is. You nailed it. Nail on the head. <laughs> Picard goes into his study. He is so visibly shaken, uh, but he's trying to focus on his work. So he starts doing research. He pops up a little um, Elkar system on his desk, which you know we've talked about this projected. You know, you screen. mentioned that it was Elkar's. I thought that was interesting because after I saw that, I thought, oh, well, that looks like Elkar's that you would find on pretty much any Federation sure. ship. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking about it, and, and a lot of the other displays that we saw were not 
L cars right. looking. They looked cool and futuristic, but they didn't have the familiar sort of pattern. And I was thinking, of course, if you can pick what kind of interface you want, He's you're going to pick, pick like the classic. one that looks like yeah. the classic Federation. Sure. And, and we don't know if L cars is standardized through the Federation or just Starfleet. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So maybe people use their own custom interfaces. Right. right. It's like Android stuff. Just like Android. Yeah. That's, That's right. right. Which are banned. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the phones and the people. You know what? And they also did the, the overlapping of the faces. Oh. Oh like, yeah, yeah. So he's going through. That was a great. My my son commented on that. He's like, oh, he's like, that was a great moment. This is my maybe the best moment of the entire episode, mm-hmm. where he he says these are the keywords I'm looking for: the artifact, Borg, you know, this, that, mm-hmm. the other. Uh, sees that Hugh is the director of the Borg reclamation project. He even goes, Hugh, yeah, like I know this person. And then an image of Locutus pops up, and, he's like, and because mm-hmm. it's transparent, and we're looking at it from the other end, he's looking at it as a mirror, mm-hmm. but we are looking at it as if there is a projected overlay of Locutus. And as he's looking at it, he starts touching his face mm-hmm. as if he's scared these board components are going to pop out. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Or maybe he's even looking in a mirror and they're still there, you know, right. reminiscent of the opening of uh, which, which movie? first contact, first contact mm-hmm. where yeah. it, ex- it unfolds out, out his face. Yeah. In a dream, yeah. more of a nightmare, which is his biggest nightmare. Yeah. Uh, and then we have the regular opening of the show. <clears throat> now we're uh, after the opening of the show, the La Serena starts flying through the beta quadrant, former neutral zone. Rios is playing soccer on the ship. Mm-hmm. Shirtless, shirtless, just, you know, and sweaty. Yes, he just had to do it. Gerardi interrupts him again. Uh, tells him that space is cold. It's always trying to kill you. I don't know how anyone could choose to live out here, and she hates it. Rios is very nice. He's just like, tell me what's on your mind. What's going on? The more Rios purports to be like the space pirate, the more I realize he's just like a normal. He's not, dude. Yeah, he's just, he's just, he's like just a nice, nice guy. guy. Disillusioned yeah. and sick of being lied yeah, to by and I think I think he's created this persona for himself of As the strength. space pirate mm-hmm. to to kind of make up for the fact that for whatever reason he's out of Starfleet. Uh, which we don't know yet, right? Uh, right? Why he was... We don't even know for sure that he was in Starfleet. Yes, we do. We do know for sure. Yeah. He was on a starship where the captain was killed in front oh, of right. him. Right, right, right. Okay, yes. It was a heavy cruiser. Yes, we yes, you told us about that. But we don't have the full story but yet. But we know that Starfleet scrubbed the records of it. Right. So they were doing so something clandestine right. they shouldn't have been doing. See? And the captain gets killed and he's like, I don't want this. He wants yeah. to be a good guy. And that's, again, his affection for Picard. Right. Because he knows Picard is legitimately the good guy that he wants to follow. Uh, Basically, Rio says, hey, I'm going to be here for you, even though we just met. And they kiss. Mm. Uh, And then she looks at him and says, I've never slept with a captain of anything before. Uh, He says, well, I recommend it, which I thought was the (laughs) cutest line in this series so far. I'm like, I'm going to use that. Uh, She points out that she has a superpower and that she knows exactly when she's making mistakes as she makes them. Uh Not that she can stop herself. He says that's not much of one. Uh, he says, well, let's pump the brakes on this. Tell right. me what you're feeling, which again, what a good guy Rio says. I know, says. I know. She says, and this is what you said earlier, she's hollow, she's hopeless, she's lonely, she's afraid. Mm-hmm. This is a lot. And this is why I think she's like just becoming a blank. I just hit the mic, sorry. sorry. Uh, <laughs> becoming a blank human being where it's just, it's so overwhelming. It's broken apart of her. She yeah. hasn't had to deal with these emotions before. She's been, had a very sheltered Federation science filled life. And she's been working with synths who have no emotions. Right. Oh, so I didn't even think about that. So, Damn. So, yeah. so, and now she's just dealing with this and she's got to process these emotions and mm-hmm. she doesn't know how to do it. Well, let me just ask you a question because hmm. this, ha- in every, the, the oldest trope in the book hmm. for every Android movie, is that including the right. movie Android, uh-huh. is that the person that you think is a person actually turns out to be an Android or the person's teacher or mentor or friend. Do you think we're going to see that or are the, are, do we know all the Androids? In other words, are we going to see a person we think is a person revealed later to be an Android? Yes or no, Keith? I think no. Okay. How do, I what think do you think? No. Okay. I don't think the Federation would let her run that thing if they even had an, I thought that she was a synth What if all? she was a person and Maddox created her oh. after she perished in some horrible accident and recreated her? This, you <gasps> and know? The, the, the thing that she was watching wasn't her. That was her real person self instead right. of her Android self. Uh, also, I want to point out this is, this is an actual plot line in Next Generation with Julia Trainer, who yeah. is Data's quote unquote mother. Yeah. Right. Yep. 
So. And in the original series, too, there was one of those. Was there? Yeah. I and then in the movie them. Android, you're both androids for the other three people in the world who have seen this movie. Right. Sure. And it's do, you have it on, do you have it on Blu-ray? Can I borrow it? I don't have it on Blu-ray. All right. Nor do I have a Blu-ray player. He asks in a very... Really? Nope. I right. have one. You do? Yeah. Can I borrow it? Mm-hmm. I want to watch sure. a movie called Android. All yeah. right. That's weird. Let's have movie night. He asks in a roundabout way if sleeping together is really going to help her. Again, like the level of consent that is happening here fills me with joy. There is no, I'm a space pirate and I'm going to sleep with all the women. He's like, are you sure? And she says this is going to help for a couple of hours, which is pretty cool. And I went, oh, a couple hours. She's plans. I was like, okay. Uh, So I thought that was amazing and a great scene, very telling. I thought we learned more about both their personalities in that Mm -hmm. scene more than half the episodes we've seen back on the cube lieutenant rizzo who i'm going to keep referring to her as that because i don't know what her real name is is playing with what i think and i could be wrong is of i thought i I know in fact i know i'm wrong at the time i wrote down a vulcan logic toy i told i wrote um narek's rubik's cube right yes that's 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 what my son said right away joel he's like he's like oh they got their own rubik's cube yeah (laughs) it's like yes yes so i thought it was going to be a vulcan logic toy a la reunification Mm -hmm. but it seems like it's more like a romulan toy taught to teach you patience mm-hmm. uh, it's a puzzle box with some sort of prize inside also the right away he says there don't touch that you'll break it yeah oh yeah that you know, also is very sibling that is, in my opinion not only a sibling thing i think you're right but also the implication is it it was he was making a a, a he was identifying a difference between her and himself and yes he yep. is a thinking person he, he takes is, his time he is a, a, a scientist in yep. a way and she is like just let's, so ready to take action and start cracking skulls. Right, you know? let's get, let's bust in there with you, a bunch of guns. You, right. Miss Forceful, Angry Witch, you're going to come in there and Whoa. start, uh, you know, cracking skulls. But I'm over here like thinking about the right way to do this. And that's why the whole time she's like, you're taking too long. And he was like, just give me a minute. Exactly. I will get stuff out of her. And right. she's like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Right. <laughs> Narek says that working with it calms him. Rizzo says that she'd rather smash it open with a hammer. There you there go. We go. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and I said, this again goes back, and this is exactly what you guys just said. This goes back to their debate on approach. Now, I said last week, I'm so sick of this debate. At least we're seeing it in a different way. They're kind of right. they're kind of tickling us with yeah. the, this is how we approach things instead of like, my approach is better. No, your approach is too hardcore. Um, I get the gist that they both had this toy growing up and that this has been like not the first time they're having this conversation. Uh, and then I said maybe they're part, their parents were part of the unification uprising, which I think is wrong. Now, I do think it's just a Romulan toy. All right, now we're being back to sexy with them because she starts touching him and being weird. Rizzo is obviously jealous of his affections for her. Um, He starts talking about her, about her being self-conscious and saying that, um, I'm sorry, he starts talking about Soji being self-conscious, saying that all the evidence in her life is, is pointing that she is not human and that it's all being dumped into her dreams. That right. anytime there's something that is conflicting with her self-image, like she kind of shuts down and it goes in her dreams. Uh, earlier, he brought up that she talks to her mom every night. Uh, She's like, the, how do you know that? <laughs> right, because he's watching her. Right. Um, and I said, if the uh, the um, if the if mom is an emergency embedded program, uh, she's probably close to figuring out she's an android because she's reaching out all the time now. Right. So it's probably like in her, like, if you start to question yourself, reach out to your mom. Right. And then that'll reset you. But it seems like she's doing it all the time now. Your comment on, I think, the first episode uh, was mm. that the way the mom kind of would flicker back and forth and have the, like, dead expression. And then, right. have and then like, one. suddenly. Very reminiscent also of... Uh, of um, Max Hedron. Yes, but uh, but also um, Oblivion when they're talking to that's what I was thinking um, too to the to the control up in the het, um, the tet they call it the a tet. tet the tet they're um, you know it, it but the weird thing is was she actually is she transmitting this conversation or is it in her mind so here's what i thought yeah you thought it was like not actually there and it was I just thought running. it was tyler durden style right but right. she's making a call to somewhere because later in the episodes he says you're making these calls for 70 seconds mm-hmm. each time right like clockwork so that is going somewhere and we got to see her resist the uh right she's like falling asleep asleep. Mm -hmm. uh rizzo points out that he's trying to figure out like the tanja khan with or tanja kron which is the name of the toy that we find out 
Tanjakran. He says, taking the time to understand what's keeping it closed is important. And he then opens the box and a little figurine pops out. That's that scene. Yeah. Back on the ship. Everyone is on the bridge. <laughs> Rio Rios <laughs> wants to know the plan because he's like, there's no way Picard's taking us here without a plan. And he does not have one. He's just kind of flying by the seat of his pants. Gerardi is at odds with Picard over how the best to get in the cube. Uh, right. She says, let me just try to use my credentials because I'm the Federation's leading scientist right, on and synthetics. Like, and she, Okay, Gerardi. <laughs> he's like, if they see me, either the Borg or the Romulans, the jig is up. Let's just do it the Malat way and just be open. Let's just tell them. Eleanor gets so excited because he gets to add to the conversation yes. say, that is the right. way. you just see him light up he's like I can actually help in some way um, he says he wants to use the Borg Reclamation Project that he knows the director but needs Federation diplomatic credentials as an envoy because the Romulans would not be able to stop him if he had direct communication as an envoy I have here drunk ass Rafi. Yes. <laughs> who She's is in vaping, a bad And we know that the vape is drugs. Is drugs, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I like that. So she kind of stumbles her way in, sits down at the computer. She's like, I'm going to get these credentials. Uh, when she takes the hit of the drugs, the focus and the camera, even though she's in the foreground, it's not on her. It's on Picard and like how it's breaking his heart mm-hmm. to see her be mm-hmm. so self-destructive with one hand on a bottle, one, one hand, hand on the vape. Yeah. And I loved that scene. Because he knows her potential. He knows what she's capable of. And also, I think he feels guilty. Like, he feels that that's... Of course he does. He caused that, in a way. He's involved. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rafi takes the hit of drugs to a set in Picard, calls up her friend in the Federation, who's a captain of some kind, because we see the four pips. Uh, Obviously, someone in the... Uh, say the uh, secretary of state office for lack of a better term says that she uh, is going with Jean-Luc Picard to the artifact one way or another and after a very fun right. playful way is kind of blackmailing her friend mm-hmm. yeah, she's saying like, mm. like I like and the friend goes if you go there with Jean-Luc Picard it is an act of war and she goes I know I can't do anything about it mm-hmm. you know him kind uh, of the, my hands are tied can't do it there right. are two sentences she uses that I adored and she says one every Every part of the guy that's not ego is rampaging id uh-huh. and his reaction was very light like kind of playful to that uh-huh. like, oh, uh-huh. you're pull- not wrong we're not pulling our punches are yeah. we <laughs> uh and then she also says picard is so federation his picture is probably still on the damn brochures <laughs> and i thought that was a really cute line too the friend begrudgingly says i'm giving you 24 hours of credentials to not have a war right uh I'm saying this is a friend. Don't ever call me again. Right. And you could see Rafi just a little defeated after hearing that. She was. I think that's twofold. One, she just put on this act. Right. And was like, it's over. But also, I just burnt a bridge to a very close friend for this old jerk again. Right. Uh, They all clap for her afterwards, started by Picard for a job well done. She stumbles out of the bridge, almost tripping. Gerardi looks very, very concerned, but we hear the original Star Trek theme play, and mm-hmm. I like that a whole lot. I did too. Why do you think they did it, that cue at that moment? Because there was a hurdle they over, you know, they overcame, yeah. mm-hmm. and they kind of did it as a group, you mm-hmm. know, and they, they mm-hmm. are supportive. And there is something about this crew, especially in the moments like this, where they're all, even when they have a difference of opinion, they're all very supportive of each other. Right. right. Like for being quote unquote ragtag, again, they have a lot of Federation ties. And I was going to say the same thing and that it, we're so used to seeing really on every other Star Trek show, DS nine, maybe some exceptions. We're used to seeing, uh, we're used to seeing a crew that's used to working together mm-hmm. that has come up through Starfleet right. that has came up through Starfleet Academy. And, you know, once in a while you get like the rebellious Surly. ensign who's mm-hmm. not going to sure. do the thing. Or like you're saying, like the <laughs> admiral the who does, you know, the thing, the, their own way <gasps> because the they secretly jerks. have a parasite inside them. <laughs> but in, you know, in, <laughs> in, um, <laughs> in in I this you really do have a different group of people who come from I mean yes like Picard some, and Rafi some worked have together, worked together but, and didn't Rafi and Rios work yes, together so yes. it's but it's right. still a very different group of people with very different backgrounds not all coming up the same way not all having served together for a decade you know it's a very um like you said, Keith, a ragtag group, but I really like that because they are coming from those different backgrounds, they are all individuals and independent. They almost have more respect for those individual accomplishments Mm -hmm. or talents. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Hattie, because I feel like they acknowledge and recognize those things more strongly 
because they are from different spaces. Sure. Yeah. And I think it was kind of like they they realized that even though Rafi was intoxicated and everything else, she still pulled through and she still got done what needed to be done. And right. I thought yeah. I think that was they were all kind of, wow, she pulled it off and she did a good job. Hell yeah. On the cube, Soji tells Narek that she's having the same dreams again. And that she fell asleep talking to her mom about it. Narek tells Soji that he looked into her call logs and that every single communication she had with her mother lasts for 70 seconds exactly. She uh, she says that's not possible. But he's like, look, I got all I, got, I can look at everything on right. this ship. I know what's going I'm super on. Super creepy. I've accessed everything. Right. So. <laughs> uh, it seems like every episode starts with long cuts and then we start getting these shorter action uh-huh, cuts. Now yeah. we're back on the ship already. Uh, Rios helps Rafi to her room. Rafi points out that they've known each other for a long time, but Rios has never even known about nor met her kid. She's upset that no one will even know she had a son. Uh, Rios tries to console her as she's having this emotional breakdown saying nobody gets it gets all of it right Raph I liked that line I liked too. that so much man Rios is like the ship's counselor he's amazing I did think he was gonna sleep with Raffy for a second yeah and that yeah. like he might have this underlining well I'm a nice guy but I'm still gonna sleep with every girl on this ship but I'm glad that he didn't <clears throat> back on the cube Soji calls her mom it's affecting her somehow like you can tell and she's realizing it too almost like a hypnotic state yeah, yeah. she's like nope don't don't sleep. She starts getting flashes of the synths for some reason that we don't know yet, but she is seeing flashes of the synths from the rebellion happening in her brain. She is trying to fight her mom off as much as she can. The mom is constantly repeating that she should lay down, and then Soji passes out. Didn't she try and stab her hand? She did something to her hand to sort of... Yeah, she took her palette knife yeah. and then like tried to Oh, I didn't even catch it. that, really? Yeah. She then, did something that was like to wake herself up, but it seems but like it what, didn't work. whatever this program is that, that Maddox wrote that is it's the mom stronger. program, yeah, that's going to make her fall asleep no matter what. She I didn't know, catch that. That's awesome. Yeah, she even, even stabbed herself yeah. or something with her little... The ship approaches the cube and present the credentials. Picard has a flashback or PSD uh, and the and the Romulans give him a specific beaming coordinates. Like while uh, Rios is talking to the Romulans about the credentials, he is in his own brain having flashbacks to Borg, flashbacks to first contact. It looks like the Borg flashes seem like they're from that movie. Uh, Picard tells Elnor that, he ha- that Elnor has to stay. Uh, he wished he didn't have to. He's really upset that he has to go alone. Uh, and he kind of snaps at Elnor and says, don't you think I'd rather go with you? Don't you think right. I wouldn't ra- I'd rather not do this by myself? And I noticed that Elnor is never affected when Picard yells at him. No. <laughs> because of absolute candor. Right. Okay. He's just expressing his emotions. Yeah. So yeah. he yells at Elnor and Elnor is just like, oh, OK, oh, yeah. cool. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, Picard really, really doesn't want to go. No. He really doesn't want to go. He especially doesn't want to go alone with no support. But he, his hands are in his pockets. He's looking down mm-hmm. when he's realizing all this. And he pulls out the necklace from his pocket and knows he has to do this both for Data and for Dodge. And I guess for Soji, too. Yeah. I liked his um, kind of like North Face that he had on when yeah, he went in there. Sure. It was very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Back on the cube, Soji wakes up and is extremely distraught. She pulls out all of her pictures from her past that she has in a box and starts scanning them, to which we hear the computer say, probable age, 37 months, mm-hmm. which means she already has an inkling that all her memories are not mm-hmm. real. Right. She takes out her drawings from when she was a child. She takes out her stuffed animals. She takes out more pictures out of frames. Every time something is scanned, the computer says probable age, 37 months. At this point, she realizes nothing in her life is older than three years. Right. Picard beams over to the cube and is very, very upset. Uh, The ship moves. And I like that. Like the walls. Like... And I've always thought about this. Original Borg cubes we saw in TNG, they always said that the the ship is healing itself. The Borg is regenerating. Right. right. And, you know, that was kind of put off to the side as we see, like, in Voyager, uh, you know, the, the drones are repairing the ship. But mm-hmm. in my head, I was always like, we see a ship. Uh, we see a shot of TNG of the ship actually kind of moving and healing itself. Right. When you they can scan see in. the walls the and things moving. Is around another and- part of the collective. Yeah, in sure, a way. sure yeah. is. Yeah. So now we're actually seeing walls and stuff kind of move mm-hmm. and shift and have like these very geometric shapes on them. And I thought that was a really, really cool touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets flashes of Borg as he's moving through and he starts stumbling because now the PTSD is really activating in him again. Again, I think this is with the aromatic syndrome. Yeah. yeah. I think he's in the early stages of it. control it. Right. You can see it. the older he gets, the more he's like, 
like I think a younger Picard would have stone faced mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and maybe been like shaking, but like held it, held it back. Right. right. <clears throat> so Borg grab onto him and he says, no, let me go. He starts mm-hmm. screaming at this point. And then we see Hugh is there and says, they're just trying to he's make like, sure dude, you don't fall. They're just helping you up. Dude. Because he's like, on this bridge NBA. with no railing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And it does look like he's hit. He, he looks up and sees Hugh. Um, and then the, the friendly board kind of let him go and he goes, Hugh, and then Hugh smiles and greets him like an old friend I and they know. hug. I and I am shocked. I am. Sh- I cannot believe of every character we have seen that has been pissed off to see Jean-Luc Picard. The one who is not is the drone that he sent back I to know. the collective. I thought that was a bit crazy, too. I was like, wow, Hugh really has forgotten he, a lot. Hugh has evolved. He's evolved. Yes. He's, re- he's gotten his humanity back. The last time we saw Hugh in TNG... I think we talked about this too yep. was in the, ep- in I forget the name of the episode, but he was hanging out with the rebellion uh, on mm-hmm. the Borg that had been commandeered by Lore yep. when Lore was feeding data, the, the false emotions and controlling data through, mm-hmm. with, you know, withholding and or giving emotions. That was the last time that we saw him. And so I'm thinking that he's just, he's just, grown up you know because yeah. when we saw him he also was like when he saw Riker he's like what are you guys doing here yeah like the Enterprise ruins everything joyful he was like where's my friend Jordy but other than that screw y'all uh, so the fact that he hugs Picard and he's like I am like I, I don't disagree with it I am just so shocked by it because again every time I think I know something is going to happen it doesn't <laughs> And I was I was blown you away. You were expecting by that. A, a tense uh, reunion. Oh yeah, yeah. Like oh hey dude that like tried to use Thanks me as a, a weapon lot. one time. Uh, Hugh, I have here. Hugh is so nice. <laughs> and like the one other time we've seen him in the series has been kind of snarky, but he is like hero worshiping Picard in the way. Yeah. And Picard, like you can see, he's like it's so nice to see a friendly face. And what he yeah. means is like it's so nice to finally go somewhere new and everyone not hate me. <laughs> right. And how weird that the place he's not hated is full of Borg. Yes, the one place that he's so apprehensive about going yeah. to. So such good writing. Uh, Hugh says he's gonna. I say Hugh also has a very like almost nurse-like quality to Picard yeah. mm-hmm. because he's spent his whole, you know, adult life now helping the XBs. Right. Like he knows what it's like to be an XB. And you know, another reason he might've been more sympathetic is, you know, he knows Picard was Locutus. And right. So right. maybe there's an aspect of you're understanding of and, and yeah, you're one of us, even though maybe we didn't have the best run in last and time. And we both like, had our parts removed, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Uh, Hugh is basically like whatever you need. I'm here to help. Uh, he says, Soji, uh, Picard says Soji needs help. And he was like, oh yeah, she's in danger. And he's like, why would you say that? He's like, uh, because immediately after she showed up, so did this like dashing yeah. mysterious, uh, uh, Tao Shiar agent. And he like was asking questions about her in such a nonchalant way. Mm-hmm. I know that the Tao Shiar is after. Her. So he basically says, whatever you need, I'm down. I'm mm-hmm. Hugh. I'm here to help. And I love Hugh. Soji is now confiding in Narek about how nothing is more than three years old in her entire up- little Borg apartment. Right. Her whole life has been fabricated. Narek suggests the Zalmacht, a traditional Romulan meditation, taboo to non-Romulans. Uh, but uh, again, it's not like she's a, a real person. So I right. guess you, you can. Yeah, yeah. You know, she's a robot. Yeah. So the uh, organic robot. So whatever. Hugh shows Picard around the unassimilation processes. Picard points out all the good that Hugh is doing. Whereas Hugh points out the bad. And I thought that was really interesting mm-hmm. saying we're still slaves are just our queen is now Romulan. So I get the feeling that, yes, the Romulans have given them all the resources they need to unassimilate, but they are not allowed to leave the cube. Exactly. Right. Still restricted. Yep, still. Trapped there. Right. Like now you all have jobs and it's to harvest the cube. Right. Like right. This is what you're off doing. They even now. say Borg are victims. And I was like, ah, oh, that's a really sure. great. Mm-hmm. So if you're not like a passing ex-Borg like Picard, then you're just, you're kind of up the creek without a paddle. Yeah. <laughs> On the ship, Rio springs Rafi a coffee. They are figuring out the situation. They're trying to figure out the situation. Rafi does not understand why the Talshi are trying to keep Soji alive. But of course we know it's because they're trying to get to the sense. Now, one thing I'll add is when we saw Mm -hmm. the replicator form the coffee mug Mm -hmm. for him, it didn't just beam in like we've seen in, right. in past replications. It sort of 3D printed in. Yeah, it almost 3D printed it. It, it had, I think, if I remember right, it was the, the cup part, the cup part, and then the liquid, and then the handle kind uh-huh. of shot out of it. I like, I'm, just, I like that. I like That's that too. Cool. I didn't catch that. Yeah, I like that. 
Narek brings Soji to a, a meditation room. Mm-hmm. The guard says it is not for round ears, mm-hmm. which I liked so that offended. a lot. Yeah. Narek threatens his way in and says, those sub-commander bars are not for idiots. Now, right. how'd you like to lose them? Now, get out of my way. Uh, then we get back in, uh, into this meditation room. I have another note. We're back into rom-con mode. Uh, right. When Narek reveals his family name, his real name, right. as Hararyan. Harat- you know, it sounded like he was saying like Ryan, but in French, like Ryan. You know, oh, like that's yeah. what it sounded that like. That sounds right. I like that. H R A I Y A N. Ryan is his name. Narek prepares them for a journey into her dreams. Soji is now going into her dream. Like, and I don't know how this know. has to be some sort of telepathic or like artifact Romulans use because they like there's no like training. She's just immediately in her head in the it. dream. Which I thought was weird. Something special about the room, maybe. Right. Sure, you know? or those types of candles, right. or maybe it's like a drug-induced thing. Yeah. But we don't know because Romulans don't share they that don't with share people. It. It's so a secret. Narek is playing with his toy the whole time, his little Rubik's Cube, walking her through the dream. Which uh, kind of is like, be patient, don't rush this, she needs to figure I'm this out. I'm figuring this right. toy out, I'm figuring her out. Right. So she's a little girl walking through the house. She's got her stuffed animal that we've seen in her room under her arm. She's going towards her father's lab. We know now it is her father's lab. She points out that there's orchids. She's trying to figure out what is behind the orchids. And Narek is pushing her, pushing her, pushing, pushing her. Outside, Hugh and Picard are on the search for Soji. He says, uh, he's like, she called in today, which I thought was kind of funny because that's right. such a col- colloquial way that we would say. Not she didn't report for duty she or not. She said she was called sick. in sick today. She called in. Yeah. Called that in. was it. Soji sees herself behind the orchids. Uh, well, we, we see her father first with a blank face. Definitely looks like Maddox to me, mm-hmm. just blurred out. And very mm-hmm. dream where it's like, you know, you know, everyone's had those dreams where it's like, I know it's them, but like, but I, I can't, can't really see it. See it. Right. Yeah. And sees herself as a wooden doll in oh, pieces. So I wrote creepy. a Pinocchio Soji. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> Pinocchio Soji. Title. Title. Uh, almost like one of those like figurines you put on the desk that you pose them yes the, uh, the drawing giant, figures the drawing mm-hmm. figures but yeah. bigger and with like a grain to it yeah why did it her. have to be wood you know is that a reference because you know it, like like Narek asked is this like an actual memory or is this more of like a an emotional creation right, a cre- construct because yeah. like we know she's not made of wood i don't think they were using wood back then to <laughs> <No>. do <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> Go I'm chop down that tree. And- <laughs> I'm going to make a daughter. Uh, the wooden doll, uh, Narek tells her, uh, t- um, so she's realizing that she's fake. Narek tells her she's not real and then says goodbye and then walks so out. Cold. So cold. And she's like, wait, what? He leaves the toy on the table as he walks outside. Uh, the toy opens and releases this red gas. Right before right. when it first it opened, like when figurine. he solved it, it was, yeah, it was like a little, a little green figurine. figurine. So he put something new inside. Yeah. All right. There's a lot of things I want to say about this scene. One, as Narek walks away, he is crying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something that he is probably not for. It's like he has legitimate feelings right. for Rizzo Soji called at this point. It, uh, on it, called him on it earlier and it was 100%. True. He is in love with Soji and now he has to kill her because that's his way. When she is slamming her hands on the the door, Mm -hmm. there are smudges on the glass. I have never seen smudges on glass in Star Trek before. Interesting point. I don't think this was like on purpose or anything. I just thought that was a really cool thing. I'm like, any other normal Star Trek thing, she'd be hitting the glass and they would just have nothing but there's just like handprints on it yeah. i just kind of liked that also the um Riz, uh, rizzo is watching from some oh, else, yeah. and i wrote where is she watching from like are there Tal-Shar cameras room. in this room oh yeah tashar's yeah, okay. got cameras everywhere oh, okay, they know yeah. what's going on yeah uh, he, uh the um the guard says i'm gonna open the door to save her and he goes no you can't the radiation oh. um and if you were if did you did you see nemesis who yes, saw Nemesis? Yeah. Okay. During Nemesis, there is this weird Romulan weapon that is kind of created by Shinzon where a green gas comes out and it's a type of radiation that they want to weaponize and it kind of disintegrates people. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Now, we've heard of these Romulan disintegration weapons throughout this series. Mm-hmm. And just because it's red doesn't mean it's not the same. I, for- I forget the name of the radiation off the top of my head, but it's really reminiscent of Nemesis. And I just thought that was a cool tie-in. <clears throat> At this point, Soji now activates because... No. She, her life's been threatened. Also, I think that I think a part of Narek knows if he says you are not real, it will oh, activate. That will activate. Yeah. I think he's kind of flipping a coin. Like she's either gonna die or she's gonna survive, but I'm gonna give her the tools. Do you think he was thinking she would survive at that point? 
I'm not sure, uh-huh. but like, there's no reason for him to say you're not real. The whole point of Romulans is to keep secrets. Why release? It's just as you're about to kill her. Why release the big secret mm-hmm. unless you think? Well, what do you What do you think? I don't know. I don't, I know don't have a feeling. Also, they remember they were saying like we need them alive. We need them alive so that we can find where the rest of them are. So then why was he? But killing they know. Her? Because she said the name of the planet. Right. They oh, that's, the name that was her. all they wanted. So, she okay, pointed right. out, she, they said, she looked He's up, like, she said, found home. two red moons mm-hmm. and- Lots of uh, electrical storms. Lo- right. So that's enough for them to figure out where the synths are. Uh, she says over her uh, intercom, Rizzo says, good job, brother. At that point, he's like, all right, I'm done with her. But I think a little bit of him saying, you're not real- is when when they're forced with it activator yeah well what you're just saying i Mm -hmm. think that he had a hunch that 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 and the situation would activate her when she would become activated she would escape she had the potential to not die right Mm -hmm. and And so crying because he thinks it might not work or it's one of those like where you throw rocks the dog and say go on get out of here so i'll have to shoot you behind the shed right i'm doing it for you and and i think that his hope was that she would in fact activate and escape and that he's he's saying well i did i did my job i got the info and i i killed her she broke out like i couldn't help that what exactly was he using to kill her he said the radiation that's the thing the red mist but why would that kill her if she's she's an an android Android. i know i because it kills organic organic stuff and she's organic it's the same thing that they used in nemesis i think it's just a different color okay okay um at this point now, they know, like, everyone on the ship knows something's gone, so Picard and I lost my place in my oh notes. Oh, my gosh. Talk, talk to start the show over again. Well, yeah, hit pause. No, but I, I, I agree with you, Dan, like, that, that he was almost doing that as, like, a pushing her away. And also, maybe he was even saying it to himself, like, you're not real. I fell in love with uh, someone who's yeah, not real. Yeah, and yeah, this sure. is not a he real feeling to, to himself. himself. That's what I think. That's oh, I, I love think. that. I like that. Hugh and Picard are now frantically looking for Soji. They say see her moving through the cube, through scanning <laughs> right. through her little badge, I'm guessing, on her shirt. Like, oh, she's moving way too fast. And they're like, and Picard knows, no, no, that's her. She activated. Mm-hmm. They're going after her. Uh, Soji appears. Picard begs him desperately, please trust me. Mm-hmm. And she does. Show, uh, he shows her the necklace, um, says, you know, your sister, like, I couldn't help her, but I can help you. Now they're all on the run. Hugh is using the cube's morphing nature to mm-hmm. kind of like help them move stuff around. A Borg yells at Picard at one point, Lacutus? <laughs> oh, is that Which you, I thought was friend? really cute. <laughs> Which like someone who like you're, you're a little mentally disturbed because you've been through this traumatic ordeal. You see something you kind of recognize. Lacutus? Is yeah. that you? Right. From Jersey? Is that you? <laughs> um, I thought that was a pretty cool throw in because again, that affects Picard because he's, he's like, he wait, what? whips around. As they're on the run, they come to this chamber that Hugh opens up using Borg technology, calls it the queen cell. It says that every cube that was cool. has a queen cell. It reminded me of uh, like a beehive or something 100%. like that. A hundred percent. Both of them are like, well, I've never been here. How do I know it? It's an implanted memory some, somehow. All Borg know about the queen cell. <clears throat> the cube has a spatial trajector on board. He says that this is uh, a technology that they had taken from the Sicarians which I'm not sure if that's a race we've seen before. Maybe someone can email and correct me. Yeah. I think they're yeah. new. They're brand new. I'll say it. And then we can get emails. <laughs> okay. Good. We've never seen or heard from them before. It, it sounds like in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that the Grandmaster, because they're on Sakaar, have, have referred to them as Sakarians. Oh. Uh, neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> it's new tech. It has it basically, you walk through it and it's almost like the, um, the, 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 oh, what's the portal from the original series? Oh, the, the land, guardian, yes, the guardian portal the where you can you just you, you look walk through, you look where you want. You walk through it. Now you're in the frozen tundra back thousands of years like. ago before Vulcans had uh, sure. become vegan. And <laughs> nice. So they have a range of forty thousand light years. Picard tells Rios to rendezvous with them. They're going to Nepenthe, uh, a planet which uh, I know who's on Nepenthe because I watched the coming the next, from week, next week. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited. Uh, Picard says, "Just meet us there." He is like totally in charge mode now because they're like questioning him he's like i'm in charge for the first time we're kind of seeing him in charge be like just meet us there Mm -hmm. no more questions fully taken over as captain but also before they go away someone else comes down that's right and as he says that three guards are coming to get them and they are killed very quickly by eleanor (laughs) eleanor picard sees eleanor and says i told you to say stay on the ship he goes yes 
I didn't listen. <laughs> and he's like, I'm glad okay. you didn't. All yeah. right, let's do yeah. this. Alnor then says he's staying behind to like kind of cover their tracks right. with Hugh right. to fight the Romulans uh, so that they can get away. Picard's trying to fight him. He's like, look, this isn't a, this is what I pledged my sword to do. He's like, well, I released you from your pledge. He's like, I declined yeah, to be released. Yeah, I declined it, no. He's like, this is what's going. So Picard and Soji just go because the mission is to save Soji. Um, he says, I will not, uh, Picard says for a second, I'm not going to leave you behind. Uh, Eleanor says, it fills my heart with joy to hear you say that. Now get out of here. Mm-hmm. Now, I I watched the show with the with the credits on, or the credits, the, um, subtitles. the subtitles on. I don't know if you guys I did. I do too. Always I have, have to. Have there is a subtitle of something that he does not say. What and is, I went back a that? couple times. Picard says, I'll find you again. Mm-hmm. Oh. to Elnor in the subtitles but, but does not say, say it in the episode interesting I thought that was cool so they cut I guess they cut it out last yeah. minute but I'm like I would have liked to have seen that because yeah. like another like he's doing all this for Soji Elnor just wants a little bit of consideration right. for him and then the screen goes blank and we hear Elnor say please my friends choose to live I know I, I love loved that that. Oh. that has so many different meanings oh, and things so badass mm-hmm. and that's the episode yep it was so good. Great episode. I thought every little thing that Patrick Stewart did was spot on mm-hmm. and beautiful and wonderful. Yeah. And again, the first time we've seen Picard scared. And yeah. they have like an actual really meltdown. Oh, yeah. But uh, one thing I was going to mention was, it, so when Dodge activated, immediately she's like having flashes of Picard, you know? But when Soji activated, she did not immediately see Picard. Right. So there are different memories that have been implanted. Like when you activate, this is what you there need have, to go do. Yeah. There was no, you look familiar to me. Right. Because if she had seen it, she'd be like, yeah, I, I was looking for you and here you right, are. Right, so right. there is differences. I don't yeah, know. That's really weird. And maybe it's but because. she's the destroyer. She's Seb Cheneb. Right. Well, maybe it's because Dodge was sent to Earth. Right, maybe there's a difference. So it's like, why would Soji be in planet with right, to look for Picard? Right, because Dosh was sent with a mission to accomplish, and that was to get to Picard and and start him on this whole process. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was our mission. You don't think they I said think that they were created? Maddox, oh, sorry, God. Yeah, they said they were created. Uh, they created Dosh and Soji to find out the truth behind the ban. I think the Picard thing was an emergency. Like, if you right. get in trouble, search out Picard. I don't think Soji has a. If you're in trouble, because she's on a board cube, she's mm-hmm. screwed one way or the other. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So I did not watch the thing that you watched yeah. that says who's on Nepenthe. Yeah. Which reminds me of the word absinthe. Sure. Yep. But I have to assume that it's uh, Riker and Troy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because they're the only ones we haven't seen yeah. yet that are going to be in the episode. So I'm excited. So that's, I want to know why they retired to a world that is not Earth or Beta Z. Yeah, I was, yeah, was going to say. I would assume they were on one of the two. I think it's the same thing of like if, if uh, two people of different faiths are getting married, they pick a neutral uh, huh? faith or a non-denominational okay. person to perform the wedding. They couldn't decide between Earth and Beta Z. So they picked a third place that was just as good. Or maybe they had history with that place. And they're like, it's gorgeous. We like it. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was like their vacation school system's town. good. Where, right. Did they get, where did they get married again? They got married on a cer- certain They got planet. married on Earth, on but Earth. they were okay. having a second ceremony on Beta Z. There okay. you go. The naked ceremony, because when Beta Zs right. get married, they're naked. Nude. Which I adhere to this. When, yeah. I, when I get married, I'm going to have a naked wedding. Y'all yeah. gotta I thought you were going to have a Klingon wedding. No. Naked mm. wedding. A naked Klingon wedding. Oh, I like that yeah. even better. <laughs> now, here's a question. Sure. Do Betazoids have a spoken language? Yeah. Sure they do. They just... So, uh, I know so much about Betazoids because I love Betazoid books. <laughs> okay. They, they do, but they... They typically don't use it a lot because there are some beta, all betazoids. It's like a muscle. Some have incredible telepathic powers. Right. Some are just okay. Sometimes they need a more powerful telepath to help with the talk. Like for instance, uh, uh, Luxana and Deanna talk to each other very, very easily. Mm-hmm. Whereas Luxana, uh, Deanna has trouble with other telepathic because she's just an empath uh, races and right. she kind of needs them to guide how to do it. Whereas Lexana is known for being to talk, being able to talk to any telepathic species because she's such a powerful telepath. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have to assume just like in the world of Harry Potter, when you have a squib, there might be a genetic anomaly where you might have a little bit of something. A, a beta Z who doesn't have telepathic powers mm-hmm. or they're right. so weak. So there are, in, in the book series, it's always like the cities are always a little creepy because there's not a lot of people talking. You'll see a full restaurant and they're all like gesturing, but they're just talking telepathically, but they do have people that speak. 
Interesting. Okay. They're just few and far between. That's you ever a good been, question. Have you yeah. ever been to a silent disco? It's like that. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. I didn't know that. And that was something I'd always kind of been curious about, you know? Right. And uh, again, like, it's almost like absolute candor because you yeah. cannot lie there. Yeah. So uh, right. my favorite Star Trek book is called Imzadi, which is the meeting of Troy and Riker right. on Beta Z. And I like he still calls her that all the time. And there the is best. a, uh, <laughs> there is a, um, there is a Starfleet, like, um, Star, it's a sergeant because he's in the Marines or like an admiral's daughter uh, named Wendy something or other and she meets Will and it's like the first thing she says is like oh good when we get married we'll have the same initials is the first thing that comes out of <laughs> right. her mind because she's so used to just speaking her mind that's funny I was also going to mention that uh, because when Gerardi was like come on Rios let's go do this I was like she got over Maddox not only Maddox himself but Maddox's death real fast or is trying to I guess right I think it is more like I think it's grief grief, sex yeah this book is eighteen dollars and forty eight cents in paperback on Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, written by Peter David. You can. I have three copies of it. If you guys want to borrow See? a couple, there you go. Well, I'll put this in the show notes for today. But I'll tell you what, um, hmm. that's a lot for a paperback book. It is so good though. And then the sequel, Amazadi Two, is equally as good. Mm. And that is so. Amazadi also has a lot to deal with the triangle of Riker, Worf, and Deanna. Because at the end of TNG, Deanna and Worf are in a relationship. Right. And, that's and then the very... next time we see them, they're kind of Spriker mm-hmm. and, and, and they speak a lot. Like, uh, And then Imzadi 2, I think, picks up right after the destruction of the Enterprise D, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then they bring in a lot of um, uh, Thomas Riker and Sela kind of have a weird oh, Tom, Tom comes back. Tom comes back and has a relationship with Sela. Mm-hmm. Which is like, it sounds I don't like. Know, a, I'd be creeped out if there was like an. <clears throat> An accidental, you know, clone of me that was sort of running around. It is not a clone. They are they are e- both as much the same person as the other. Yeah, one. but they're. I mean, I don't like that. Yeah, I, I would want like another that. Keith Ruckus. Well, we don't know, and we don't know who is the real uh, Riker. Either. They're both the same, right? It was the same signal split yeah. in half. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Is like Tom isn't a copy of Will. Will's not a copy. Of, yeah, they are both Will Riker. It's a duplicate. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But there's no original. There's no right. original. They are right. both the original is what you're saying. It's like <laughs> as if um, like uh, as if they were a one-celled organism that just split into a two-celled mm-hmm. organism. Yeah. Cl- more like a twin in a way. Yeah. Much yeah. more like an identical twin. Except truly identical. Same truly. fingerprints, right. everything. Same memories up until a certain point. Yeah. I looked up uh, how much 37 months mm-hmm. was and it was three years in one month. Right. And I thought Wait, that was- Wait, you had to look that up? Well, yeah, I'm okay, horrible just at math. Um, and, uh, She's not a math person. No, I'm not. Uh, and so I, I looked that up and it was, I thought that was interesting because it's like maybe all of the stuff that's gone on since Dodge activated has been around a month, you know, of stuff that they've right. been doing. Was that, you know, it's so exact. Was it planned, you know? Well, I don't know. I mean, Dodge would have had to been on Earth long enough to get a boyfriend and for right. them to be pretty domestic with each other. Right. About three years. Yeah. Yeah. You get a lot done in three years. I get a lot done in three years. Mm-hmm. Three years ago, I didn't even like podcasts. Also, where, where, when the sister, <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> when Rizzo uh, is like, okay, got the name of the planet, and she goes off. Where is she going? To, to the, the planet? planet. Okay. Do we know anything about this planet? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Mm-mm. This is a new. To new the planet. To the planet. We're going to that planet. <laughs> she, at the very least, was like, I can use this information to figure out. What planet it is. Right. right. And then she had Alexa on her computer. Sure. That, right. Yeah. Right. Probably takes a couple Romulan ships to go lay waste to that planet. That'd be my guess. I mean, assuming that they're just out to destroy it and that they don't have some other. That's a good point. Thinking behind well, it. I think I mean, maybe she, they are wants gonna to she wants to destroy it. Everybody else would want to study and figure yeah. out what's up. But yeah, she wants to smash everything with a hammer. So, um, what are we, we're, we're, how many episodes in are we? That we was are six, six episodes four in. More. Oh four more. Four more. And, and what we had read was that, or what, what our listeners insist hmm. is that seven is in the last four episodes. Oh. I would love that. I'd I like hope to see that's her true. Back again. I, it seems like they could do more with her in this season, but you know, it felt very guest appearance. It did. Yeah. But I hope it's not. I, I think that the, the crew is kind of splintered at this point. Yeah. And that 40,000 light years, you know, we don't know how far Penneth is, but 
It's Nepenthe. It could Pendatha. Yeah. Palatha. Appendix. Penitent man. Yeah. Appendix. The penitent man. The penitent man. We don't know how far it is. Like they could be, it could take Rios a while to get there. Yeah. So maybe he calls in a favor from a Fenris ranger to help out. Yeah, that might be. I like that. All right. So if you guys would like to contribute to the show, we need you to. We desperately need you to. Uh, you can send us an email, like I said at the beginning. It's Picard at 5x5.tv or fill out the contact form at picard.fireside.fm. And I'll get those, curate them and read them on the air if they're good. And uh, if not, I'll just read them silently to myself. <laughs> And uh, leave your reviews in in, uh, Apple Podcasts or what we used to call iTunes. That's very helpful for new people finding the show. (laughs) If you would like to find us on Twitter, uh, Keith is at at Keith Ruckus, R-U-C-K-U-S. Hattie is at Hattie Bird. And that's (laughs) (laughs) H-A-D-D-I-E Bird. And I'm at Dan Benjamin. But uh, email best way to submit stuff to the show. And uh, looking forward to... What happens next week? Excited. Very. Very excited. Good times. Big times. So uh, with that, we will say goodbye and see y'all again next week. See ya.